If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Medicine in America, hosted by Anthony Manson and Todd Harrington, shares the stories of physicians, other healthcare professionals, and industry leaders who are changing the way we deliver care. There's an episode that you should check out called Primary Care Reimagined with Subscription-Based Preventative Care Model. It's an inspiring call for a paradigm shift in primary care. All of their episodes highlight innovative ideas at the forefront of the movement to transform our healthcare system. Check out Medicine in America on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to Highway to Health. I'm Jeremy Quinby. This is episode 110 of the podcast. If you're new to the show, I want to welcome you. Highway to Health is your place for trusted health guidance and resource. Whether you're looking to improve your health or just seeking ways to stay well, we're here for you. This growing community is on a mission to improve our state of being and experience together on the planet. So excited to bring you my first episode of this new season with Dr. Tammy Chang. It seems like in some way we're all going through a kind of reset or at least building new foundations. So I was excited when I read Tammy's recent book on boundaries. It was written in relation to the boundaries she struggled with as a physician, mother, wife, and daughter, and the many challenges that start to take over in what I refer to as the sandwich years, when you become a parent and have the responsibilities of them and also taking care of aging parents and also in the thick of the busiest time in your career. With all this on her plate and more, she found herself overwhelmed and looking for a way out and came close to becoming another statistic. Physicians have, in the last decade, become the most likely members of American society to take their own lives. And we know that this is only getting worse over the past two years with the pandemic. She shares her story here and how she has devoted herself to try to help others in healthcare, especially women, learn something that wasn't covered in med school, how to create healthy boundaries. I really connected to this because it's something that I've worked at in my own life and career, and because of the ways she breaks it down into some very simple strategies that can help free us of constraints that may be limiting our ability to enjoy our lives. Please enjoy my conversation with Dr. Tammy Chang. I'm really excited about this topic and that, and that's, you know, part of the reason why yeah. your, you know, in, in particular, your uh, challenge w really struck me because I, I want, that's one of the things I wanted to get into hmm. and talk. It's, it's come up a number of times on the podcast, actually, what's going on yeah. with, with physicians, especially yeah. over the, over the last two years. So I thought that would be, you know, something that we should, we should really learn more about and, and more specifically women. So if, if you'd be willing to share maybe a little bit of your story because I think that's that's yeah. kind of a, a the your starting point. That was the tipping point mm -hmm. for you. This for a lot of people. So I mean, I'm a I'm a pediatric oncologist, and really everything has come out of a period of time about a little under three years ago. So about a year before the pandemic, um, when I hit rock bottom. Yeah. Not unlike a lot of physicians, and yeah. I was only five years out of training. So I'm still on the youngish side, you know, yeah. for for yeah. medicine. You hope we hope we hope to have a long career. You know, it takes forever to get here, and then. Uh, it is tough when we get there too after training. And so yeah. um, so I, I burned out very severely. I'm very open about it and intentionally. So I, I was suicidal. Yeah. Um, yeah. And 
Um, I took a leave of absence. I got a lot of help, um, thankfully, and I discovered coaching along the way. And that's actually why I became a coach and went through five coaching certifications because I'm, you know, not unlike a lot of other people who are drawn to this field, I'm a lifelong learner. And, um, and it helped me so much that I'm like, how about can I do to help others? Yeah. And so that that time really has become the driving force for everything I do now. So you know, I've written this book. I do all this work outside of work. I'm still a practicing um, pediatric oncologist. I'm actually also the medical director of provider wellness for my large healthcare system. Yeah, this is the work I do yeah. every day. So what what was the yeah. it, what was the lead up? What what did it look like before you got before you hit that rock bottom place? You you had you had gone yeah. through medical school residency, mm-hmm. and and where, where where were you at in your career, and and what did that that whole thing look like? Yeah, so I was um, thirty eight, almost thirty eight. So yeah. I finished training when I was thirty four. I went straight through. It takes that long. So yeah. I did. Yeah. Four, I was in the eight year medical program at Brown. I went through four years of residency training. I did a combined internal medicine pediatrics because I love I love adults and I love kids. You know, I yeah. love everyone. <laughs> Me too. Me yeah, too. it sounds like you did the babies and the and the, all different ages. So I mean, I love that. I actually really miss treating grandparents. Um, that's like yeah. one of my favorite yeah, my favorites. Too. But I don't get to do that much anymore. Um, and so, and then I did pediatric oncology. I was at uh, St. Jude Children's Research Hospital for okay. three years. Okay. My fellowship. That was my first job out of fellowship too. I was a solid tumor doctor. That's an intense one to start with. Yeah. For solid tumor, you mean? Yeah. And, yeah. and with and in pediatrics. Yeah, pediatric oncology. So that's my I'm hematology oncology. Okay. But my my love is oncology and that's why I was drawn to that okay. field. And so it's already in itself a very intense and emotionally challenging field. I yeah. think those of us who are drawn to and I could talk about that for a whole hour, but yeah. I mean those of us who are drawn to that are it's truly a calling. You know, I don't think people go into that cuz they think it's going to be fun. No, <laughs> um, no. I mean, we think it's fun, right, <laughs> but right. there's a lot of difficulty and trauma like in, in your work that you shared. I mean, you've done a lot with people who have struggled. Um y- even so with new parents, you know. I mean, anytime yeah. you're working with with, you know, newborns or, you know, small kids who are just really struggling, yeah. You're, you're really treating a whole family. You're treating a whole ecosystem because of the, what what it does to all their lives. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's not just the patient, right? It's well, the whole never. family. Right. It's right, and I mean, I think that's actually the part I love the most um, is that it's not just not that I don't just love the patient, but it's the it's actually so complex caring for the whole family, right? right? And everyone needs something just a little different. So, I mean, I love that. I was deeply, and I still love it. I mean, I still get to do it. Um, and but it's it's easy to become very lost in that world. Yeah. Um, I was so I was five years out of training, and we were just at a time. And I actually like in that time, not unlike to what people are experiencing in healthcare today, which is we were short staffed for a prolonged period of time. Yeah. There was a lot of trauma in our group. Yeah. Um, actually, our my colleague's daughter died. I mean, young daughter um, from cancer. I had another colleague get cancer. <laughs> we had multiple members of our staff. Um, going through cancer treatment themselves. We yeah. also had their family members getting diagnosed with like end stage, met- you know, metastatic cancer. It was like kind of a little, it was all too much all at the same yeah. time. Yeah. There was a lot of loss of trauma for us um, personally. And then we actually are, are, I'm outside Seattle and our area is just booming. And so yeah. I think the population just boomed all at the same time. And we were having record numbers of new cancer diagnoses and children in our area we were having record numbers of relapses and deaths of our oh, patients. Wow. So it was a very traumatic time. Yeah, I mean, yeah. at baseline. Um, and I think, you know, the reason why I'm so passionate about this concept of 
boundaries, especially for women, but I think honestly for all healthcare providers, um, is like, I took it all on. Like it was my responsibility to keep everything going. And that completely caught up with me. And and how how were you able to identify then when you when you you know personally with with that with that you were at a low point? I, I mean, was it was it was it suicidal ideation or, yeah? Yeah, I started dreaming about. Um, it was probably about six months in. I mean, I was on call. Uh, I don't know. I was taking more call and and sleeping less than I ever had as right, a trainee. Right. Yeah. And so I was already completely not okay. Yeah. Um, but it was, I mean, I started dreaming about anything I could do to get out of it, which essentially meant like, how could I end up in a coma? Could I jump off? Could I drive my car off something? <laughs> could I, yeah. Can I take some drugs so I can just sleep forever? I mean, that, those were the kinds of, right. and I was ac- actively thinking about what I could do. Yeah. And I clearly, thankfully recognized that that was disordered and not okay. Yeah. I mean, oddly enough, my, my practice is about, I treat yeah. about 25% health professionals. Oh, wow. And and it's and it, it it's gone up a little bit probably you know during the pandemic because yeah I'm treating more therapists I'm treating people who are you know working in ER and urgent care who are you know dealing with all sorts of COVID related things or not and just already overworked like you know and and and, over, and underslept and self care yeah. is out the window and all those things it's just it's just one of those things that starts to mount and you mentioned that the documentary uh, do no harm in your book. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think it was it was an important one, and it ha- and I think yeah. it was it was before the pandemic that that came out, correct? It was, I think, the, a year before. Yeah. So yeah. We, we we were already at a at a crisis point then. Oh. And so it's it's one of those. It's part of the reason I wanted to address this. I I'd, mm-hmm. I'd like to look at the more specifically the the what what happens with women physicians too. So, yeah. you, you know, because you, you you had some stuff in there too about. You know, and compared to the regular population, that that you know, female physicians or women who are physicians are are you know, their 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 risk of suicide is like four hundred percent that of the the general population. Yeah, two hundred fifty to four hundred percent higher uh, than that of women in the general population. Yeah, yeah, and 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 we and we already know now that that physicians are the highest suicide rate profession of any profession. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's it's one of those things, and and part of my I, I have a, a very close friend who's a physician who's mm-hmm. younger, and he, you know, he there was there was a moment where he was starting to talk about you know wanting to quit his profession, mm-hmm. you know, which is after going through so many yeah. different things, he he ended up shifting fields, which was mm-hmm. the which was the right thing to do, but it took five years, you know, to sort of slowly yeah. transition to those those places, and and. and that can feel in those in those low moments like it's, it's just completely daunting that you you can't do that kind of thing, and you've got the mounting school yeah. loans and all these different things, yeah. and I and I and I really think it's it's one of those things that we need to be a little bit more aware of. I think in the past we've sort of thought of as of you know physicians as being these big breadwinners in our in our communities, not knowing that it's one of those things that sort of slowly builds up in your in your career, but. Yeah. It takes a while to get to a point where you're actually earning after having to pay off your <laughs> school loans. That too, <laughs> true. And, and and also and also, you know, starting to raise a family at a point where you know most of the time you you get through residency and finally get into your job, and then all of a sudden you're spending a lot of money on childcare. You know, it's like there's there's a whole bunch of you know pieces through your 30s even that are very difficult for physicians. Yeah, that's so true. And um, I think it's amplified for women because that's their their prime childbearing years, right? And yeah. so, and I, I, you know, I, I try to. I think that we have to start with the data because that 
is not, I mean, it's like, it's not interpreted, <laughs> like it's, it's, it's actual data. And I think that's important because um, we know that 40% of women physicians are either cutting back or quitting within right. six years of finishing yeah. training. I mean, so, and that doesn't, it isn't all that surprising given um, the pressures and the strain yeah. and the phase of life, right? And most are trying to start families or have young children. Right. And, yeah. and, you know, and I would say that women are, are in, in many ways more equipped for the emotional stuff that, that comes up in, in, in the workplace with, with care. And we need more women in, 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 you know, as physicians and in healthcare. I think it's really important. So, so that, that part, you know, seems, seems really critical to like really think about what we can do to support them. Yeah. And I mean, I, I actually think of it both ways because it's about supporting parents. You know, I obviously my passion true, is true. about women and I'm, I'm a woman and all my, a lot of my friends are women. But I mean, I, I, it's the same for, for the men or, or other genders, right, who are also parents and caregivers. Yeah. I want the support for everyone, you know, because yeah. men are quitting medicine, too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like your, your friend struggled and yeah. many are looking for a way out. Yeah. That's the reality of what's happening today. So, so what, what, what made you think about, you know, switching into this kind of more of a, a consulting role? Did you, did you, did you go through kind of a process yourself to really, you know, reassess and, and what, because what, really what we're going to get into here is kind of talking about boundaries. And, and I think it's an important conversation. This is not just for medical people. This is, this is yeah. something that everybody struggles with on some level. Yeah. I think every human being does. Right. right? right. We're all human beings. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I think I shared everything came out of that difficult time and I discovered coaching and I actually didn't even, I started going through coach certification, actually not even intending to become a coach. Yeah. Was it, was <laughs> just, it health yeah. coaching or was it, what was the, what kind of certification was it? It's through a collective um, uh, training institute. So it's one of the oldest professional coaching per, uh, schools in the country. It's been uh, around okay. since the eighties. And it's both life executive and leadership. Coaching. Okay, gotcha. Okay. So it's it's kind of I think people can choose what they want to do with it. It's kind of the foundational core principles of coaching as a field, I guess. It's only been around for about fifty years, yeah. but um, it's a wonderful skill and a tool to help others. Yeah. And um, and there actually have been a couple studies now in physicians specifically. It's it's been around in like business and finance for 40, 50 years, but yeah. it's only just finally make and it's you know, you're probably quite familiar, but just making its way into healthcare since yeah. twenty eighteen. Yeah. And uh, it doesn't take a lot to, to dramatically reduce burnout and increase uh, satisfaction and quality of life. I yeah. mean it's thirty minutes a month for six months is okay. the study that's okay. been published. And and yeah. so and so was was did you I think didn't you take off some time when you hit that that low point, and and was was this kind of what you discovered that 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 helped you? It it did. I actually um, not only had um, went through a lot of therapy, but I I actually reconnected with old friends. I I, I don't know if you saw my stuff that I co-founded a platform with my medical school classmate. Yeah, I did. Code yeah. MD. Yeah. Yeah. What, so what, that's what, another part of my. That's a huge part of my life. Yeah. yeah. What, what what is that called again? Pink Coat MD. Pink Coat MD, that's right. Yeah, so it's to, to really support women physicians yeah. um, and to help them thrive. And what we want is to help them remain in medicine and not quit, like yeah. to be actually be thrive in their careers. Yeah. Um, and um, so through that, I reconnected with my friend and she had also struggled. This is why we came together and yeah. <laughs> we were on fire to do something. We didn't know what, right? Um, and she had worked with a coach. And so then I started working with her coach okay. and that's kind of where it all started. Okay. And so, t tell me, tell me about about that. What is it? What does that process look like when you guys help help somebody else here? 
through Pink Coat? Or? Through Pink Coat, yeah. Yeah, it's actually, we have year-long programs for women physicians. So there's actually been a lot of um, evidence and studies done showing specific pillars are actually really important key pieces of helping women specifically thrive as physicians. So okay. that includes like leadership and, and um, personal development. Um, we have parenting support for courses and classes and workshops. Yeah. Um, we also have self, um, self-compassion and mindful self-compassion classes that we offer because that's been dramatically shown to improve the quality of life for healthcare providers. We also do peer, con- everything we do is about peer connection at its core and okay. peer support. Um, we also provide coaching, one-on-one group coaching. So we kind of make it, we essentially want it to be everything that we wish we had when we were struggling yeah, yeah. and that we just couldn't find. We, I mean, we ended up finding all these things ourselves. Like everything that we have on our platform is something that Louisa or I have actually personally experienced or gone through or, worked, or someone we worked with ourselves. So yeah. it's uh, we know it helps and we just, um, we want it just to be available, you know, so it's easy for others to find because it, it can be overwhelming to go online and Google. I mean, we were Googling help for women physicians. We didn't know where to start, right? Yeah. Um, and that is honestly the case for a lot of others too. Yeah. And, and, and you know, the, one of the things I thought was interesting too, it's, it, is, is Louisa also, does she come from an immigrant family? She does, And, yeah. and you know, it's, it's, one of the things I, I, I couldn't help but sort of, you know, ruminate about is why mm. why health professionals have such trouble with boundaries when it comes to care, right? I mean, it's yeah, it's, it's and, true. and and you you kind of brought in your story about about you know being being first generation and and you know some of the guilt and some of the responsibility you felt. I I was an only child, so uh, mm. of, of a single parent, and so I I had mm. some of those same things. I'm sure they kind of came you know through doing some therapy and a lot of work through my life. <laughs> I'm a little older than you, but yeah. so that so I, I I kind of went through a lot of those things too and tried to figure out at what point did I did I kind of lose that boundary, and so yeah. I, I think it's I I'd, I'd love to hear your you know your take on that. Oh, I mean, of course, I'm speaking through. We all speak through our own personal experience, so it's my bias and my lens, right? Right. Um, but but I mean, yeah, I'm curious yeah. about your. I'm curious <laughs> about your lens. Oh yeah, no problem. I'm very open about it. I think I had no boundaries essentially until I hit rock bottom and had to rebuild oh. my life. I didn't know what boundaries were, um, and this is something I actually share very openly when I go educating other women physicians about yeah, boundaries yeah. because it, the concept didn't exist till the 80s, 1980s. The first book on it really wasn't until um, Townsend and Cloud, which was like mm. early 1990s. Yeah. And I didn't even read that book until I was, I think, close to finishing my fellowship. I hadn't heard of it. Um, and so I'd never even heard of this concept. And so, I mean, honestly, through my whole life, and I mean, I have the most wonderful parents, but you know, they don't know what these things are. They don't know what boundaries are right. either. <laughs> you know, it's like, if things are hard, just work hard. <laughs> just it, keep it, working. It, it, it <laughs> don't complain. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't taught, right? And I, I grew up in Catholic family, you know, which yeah, it's, you're, yeah. you're, you're supposed to sort of sacrifice and do, you're, if you think about right. yourself, that's kind of like, you know, the, the complete wrong thing bad. to think about, right? <laughs> so it's, it's a sin maybe, but I'm not even sure anymore. <laughs> so, well, but, think, but it yeah. becomes ingrained in the, in the, right in the culture that you grew up in. I think that's the case. Gosh, and yeah. so many backgrounds and cultures, and um, regardless of our where we, you know, our parents are from or where we grew up, you know, yeah. I think it is a piece. And what I'm so grateful for is that I think with each successive generation, I hope we can just impart a little bit more of this and model it for them. I mean, that's actually a big part of why I do all this work is I right. want to empower others, my peers and my colleagues, and I mean all of us right now because a lot, a lot of us are parents and we have children and they're watching us. You know, they. 
they yeah. pick up on stuff even if we're not seeing anything. They they watch our behavior and how yeah. we respond to things. Yeah. And so I think it's so important for us not only to model it for ourselves, like taking care of our own health, what what does well being look like for each other, taking care of each other and our own families, but like for our kids, you know, because they're they're learning from us. Yeah. It's, I mean, th this was really the, the the reason for me starting the podcast in the first place yeah. was was to explore this this whole idea of what well-being is. Or, you know, I started out kind of calling it health. What is health? But but it's yeah. it really gets it goes beyond that because this is not about health care. It's not always, yeah. you know, we, we when we think of health, we think of food and exercise and health care. And, and it's important to have good access to all these kinds of things. But what what keeps us well really is is a whole bunch of other things that we, we wouldn't even consider to be part of a health equation necessarily. But uh, that's why I like to you know get, really call it well being now more. Is that yeah. I think that is that that well being is what bolsters our health. Oh, and, I agree, and yeah, and and boundaries. Yeah. So that's that, that's yeah. why that's why I was interested in your book. <laughs> no, thank you. And I mean, I love your podcast. I was checking out your stuff earlier. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. <laughs> oh, thanks. Well, I, and I also love the word well-being even more than wellness. Um, and maybe it's my own bias, but yeah. when I hear wellness, I'm like, I should be exercising and eating healthily and yeah. um, doing meditation and deep breathing. But it's not like about all the other, you know, broad. I mean, there, uh, well-being is such a deep and broad concept. Yeah. And um, there's so much that goes into that, right, for every single person. Yeah. So, so take me through boundaries a little bit. I, I'm I'm curious to to hear how you kind of start start out this process when you're talking to people, and the kind of steps that you go through to help them identify. Oh, for sure. And and I'm not a psychotherapist. You know, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a psychiatrist. And so I come to it from a, a I feel like a lay lay person's yeah. perspective. But I actually think that's sometimes helpful because yeah. it's very relatable, and um, I make it very practical because I I think women physicians, which is really the, who I work with most, but I think this is the same for women. I think it's the same for a lot of men. I think it's the same for a lot of professions. So it's not specific to women physicians, but, yeah. um, you know, it's this concept is not a comfortable one for most people. It's kind of uncomfortable, just like that guilt, right? Like when we were kids, we're not yeah. supposed to say no, we're not supposed to complain, just put your head down and just keep working. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Don't, yeah. You know, and um, that's what, you know, it's, it's and then we've, it, that becomes ingrained after decades, right? And it's so hard to change that behavior and it feels really yucky and really bad when we try to push up against it and to change. Um, however, it's, I think the key to us living more, more fulfilling and meaningful lives, yeah, you know, and, feeling and, free, and free as, of all these things. Yeah. As you said, it, it kind of, it's what gives you freedom, right? Yeah. So, so. What what kind of boundaries are do you see people in need of of changing, or or, or identifying for themselves in, in in your line of work at least? Oh, for sure. I I think actually what is kind of a different concept for some people when I start to talk about it is I actually say boundaries have to start from us and they have to come from within, from the yeah. inside out. Yeah. And it, it really, in, unless we have a really strong sense of, you know, what our core values are, what our non-negotiables are, what's really most important to us as human beings, and it's going to be individual for every single person, you, me, um, yeah. that it's hard to set boundaries because there's always going to be demands on our time or energy or attention. Yeah. And it's usually from something external, right? Or another, it's, it usually involves another person. Yeah. Um, or something related to another person. And um, so I actually start with, and I do this in the book, I spend most of the time, and when I do this with clients and I talk about it with other women physicians, I slow it down and we just really focus on them themselves. Yeah. You know, 
really basic, breaking it down. Who are you? What is your why with a capital W like Simon Sinek yeah. defines it? What yeah. is your purpose? What is your impact? What's, what, who, what are your core values? What are your non-negotiables? What's your GPS, your compass? And then then we break it down into this whole, I, I sort of touch on the, the key areas that I think make a big difference, at least for my population, because I'm one yeah. of them. And so this is like what I needed to hear essentially, you know, yeah, like three yeah. years ago. And so, I mean, there's a huge inner critic um, you hear about imposter syndrome or that saboteur. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We've all got the gremlin, right? Sure. The nagging, whatever. Every single human being has it. And um, I think it's been a strong um, survival. <laughs> yeah. It's been developed out of survival, right? I, I think there's actually a purpose and a, a reason for it why we've been we've developed this um, part of ourselves, but it really can hold us back. As, and, as you said, the, the re responding instead of reacting, right? Yeah. And we don't learn that. At no. least, interestingly, us in medicine, you'd think we'd learn something of this and we don't. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So, I mean, I wish I'd learned this years ago. Yeah. And so recognizing, I also bring a little bit of cognitive behavioral therapy, just the basics, yeah, like, yeah. like 101, because that my audience is familiar with. And I'm like, okay, remember in, you know, freshman year of college when you took psych 101 and this is what we learned and you've got a trigger, external trigger, you've got, then you develop a thought, which then drives an emotion. And that happens like in a split second. And then once you're in an emotion, then you start, um, you know, it drives the behavior and your physical reactions, et cetera. And then it's just like the cycle, right? And so if we can slow it down at that very beginning, that's that's where the power is. And yeah. so I spend a lot of time helping people to identify those voices or phrases they say, because we all have them. Yeah. Yeah. So but can, 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 can you can you take me through? I'm just I'm just curious, since you're willing to share um, sure. your, your <laughs> what, what, what you identified in terms of your your inner critic and your why. Oh, of course. Um, yeah, I think my inner critic, I, I named her Nagging Nellie. Uh, <laughs> she's a little bit, sounds like a little bit like my mom. It's okay, my mom knows this. <laughs> she's like, right. I know, all I did was nag you as kids, but it was because yeah. I love you. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> and it probably sounds like her mom and it does sound a little bit like her mom. <laughs> mostly her mom, I think. <laughs> yeah. Right, but yeah, so mine was mostly like, work. you're not working hard enough. You could do better. Yeah. You're, why, why did you do that? Oh, that's so embarrassing. I mean, it was like, you're not good enough. It was essentially, you're not good enough. You're not yeah. doing a good, you're yeah. not working hard enough. You're not doing a good enough job. You could do better. Yeah. Um, and that, I, and I share that in the book too. I just, I, that's been a constant companion since I was a little kid. So and and, and for a lot of others. And, and in the, you know, with, with our psych 101, we, we, we know then if we can kind of, you know, identify that when it, when it comes up, it's like, there's nagging Nelly again, right? Yeah, I mean, one of the effective tactics is to actually visualize nagging Nelly as like, I actually have people draw it like a cartoon <laughs> and then put like <laughs> that's, little that's little bubbles, yeah, right? Because yeah. then, it, then it seems a little comical, like, oh, that's kind of ridiculous. Why am I listening to that thing, <laughs> that cartoon, <laughs> yep. right? So because it all feels like ourselves. It feels like our own ourselves talking to ourselves, but yeah. it really is. It's a part of ourselves. It doesn't have to be us, right? So. Yeah. And, and and so and then your why and the why is kind of more like the her heroic you, right? It's like the yeah. you know the thing that's the thing that's more important than you. Yeah, I think I think of it also very much aligning with our inner leader rather than our inner critic. Mm, yeah, yeah. And and our greater purpose in life. And so I I, I walk through through that with others, but I mean my why essentially, and I, I'm very open about it, is um, to empower others to just be their most bold, authentic, and to me, joy is my top core value. So I want them, you know, I'm biased and I say, I want you to have the most joyful life. 
for you. And then I, by doing that, I know you will inspire other people. Yeah. And that's what I, I care about most. So that's my why. And that's what drives me to everything I do. Yeah. And it's, and the, you know, when I, I identified very early in my career that, that energy was everything like yeah. in, in anything, anything that basically played against that, whether it's the inner critic, whether it's a lifestyle issue or, you know, saying yes to too much you, cause you talk about this in the book a little bit too, that that's, that yeah. this is all part of, of boundary setting, right? So, you know, it, it's one of those things that I've tried to be really, I mean, as I'm going along, I also had a business at one point that was, you know, mm-hmm. took a lot of my energy while I was also practicing. And wow. so, be, be, you know, with my business partners being like setting boundaries with them, like I don't want emails, especially really, you know, emotion driven emails after six o'clock, you know, I don't want to take that. I don't want to carry that into my evening or whatever the, whatever the number is for you. Right. I mean, I think those are the kinds of things that, that you, that we need to be able to do better. And this, 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 again, this doesn't necessarily just relate to physicians, but I think, I think, you know, the, the more, the more emotionally demanding your work is the more space you probably need also for, for that recovery process so that we keep some of that energy, you know, that we can, so we can, you know, be our best selves. Oh, for sure. I, I think it doesn't matter what field we're in. I mean, we all need that. We need time to recharge. Yeah. And um, we're lucky enough to, to be able to do that for ourselves. I mean, that's, and oh, gosh, have I learned that the hard way. You know, I, I actually <laughs> joke. I actually, I don't mind sharing. I joke because I'm, I've been the medical director of provider wellness now since the spring. And I'm very laughingly tell everyone, and I'm pretty burned out by wellness right now. So <laughs> I'm struggling. Yeah. I'm working on this. I'm working on it too. I'm human. I'm a human. <laughs> I fail every day at this and I keep trying because I, I want to get better at it. It's not, doesn't come naturally to me because it didn't for so many years. Right. And I'm still learning, even though I'm so passionate about it, but I struggle to model that behavior that I know I want for others. And so it's, it's actually the biggest thing I work on now every day, which is how do I model this for others? It's, I, it's, it's important to, to, to hear someone else say that too. I think to, to, to know that we're, that it's going to take us some time if we've, if we've, if we've been bad at something for a while to, to just give yourself, yeah. you know, s- some years to kind of learn that, that whole process. Yeah. I think it's just giving ourselves some grace. Like yeah. give ourselves a break. It's okay. <laughs> we're not going to do wellness perfectly. That's okay. Exactly. <laughs> you know? But that's, I hear that feedback from women when I try to teach this stuff is they're like, I'm doing this so badly. I'm like, why are you being hard on yourself for being hard on yourself? No, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so it's okay. We're, it's a process and we'll get there. What, what were your, what were your boundary, boundary issues? Oh yeah. I mean, I put that all in the book too. I mean, it's essentially no separation between work and home. Um, and I, what's mm. difficult for in the healthcare field, and I think it may be amplified even for physicians, is that the, the expectation actually as a student and a trainee is that you are on 24-7. Yeah. And that if you were, I mean, I think I even shared, and I really was one of these people, um, I would come in early, I would stay late. I mean, like I would come in like 5 a.m., I would leave 10, 11, 12 at night. Um, I would come in on weekends, I would come on on my days off, I would come in on checking on patients on like, I, I came in Thanksgiving. I mean, who doesn't, you know, who doesn't right. come in on Thanksgiving right. or Christmas to check in on a patient who's lonely in the hospital, which to me was very meaningful. Yeah, but like, clearly, <laughs> clearly no boundaries. Um, but that was encouraged during all those years of training. Yeah, whether it was overt or, or, or just sort of um, subtly shared, you know, it wasn't necessarily spoken, but you kind of saw other people doing it. Right. Too. But so, if, if you know that about yourself, that, that you, that you have 
you know, boundary issues, but you, but you, but you decide to make, you know, a, a, that choice. That's another boundary, right? I mean, you decide mm -hmm. I, I, I am going to be going out of my way while I'm, you know, at this point in my career to, to make sure that I, you know, go over and above for holidays or for whatever. Right. Well, and I think, I, I think ultimately to me, it, I, I don't want to, and I, I, that's why a lot of things I put in the book are suggestions, you know, cause I don't want to be saying you must live like this. Cause that's what I, it's my opinion, but like, yeah, I don't want right. to put that on anyone else. Like ultimately what I want is for, I mean, each of us have to choose. I just yeah. want each of us to be able to choose the life we want. And if we're choosing that, that's great. You know, I think ultimately that's, it's okay. Like if you, if that's what you want and how you want to be, and you feel like that's the right thing for you and it's aligned with your core values, your why, and it actually brings you energy that's okay. Right. You know, that's, that's a big part of it. If there's, if the joy is in there. Maybe that's the difference. Right. You know, I'm, I'm mm -hmm. curious how you do, cause you have, oh my goodness, you do so much. And yeah, I, and I, I've, I, <laughs> you're adding more, you're going to do like live panels and events, right. Or something. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, I, I do a lot of, a lot of external things. I have scaled back my, my practice a little bit in the, in the process. It's been a little busier yeah. this year with everything that's going on, trying to keep up with, with everyone. But yeah, I, 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 you know, one of the things I, I try to do is kind of give, you know, both my family and my clientele a, a sense of like, you know, when I'm, when I'm really busy, I, I, and this is a boundary that I set is like, you know, I, they, they get to realize that I will definitely get back to them. And if it's an emergency and, and they really need a referral, if they need, you know, cause I'm not an emergency care type person, but that, that I will make sure that, that they get a contact, but you know, if it's if it's um, somebody that I've been working with for a while and they're trying to schedule something for the future, I might take it in the order in which I feel like in priority that I need to get back to it, if, depending on how busy I am. And I'm pretty good about getting back to things. But you know, we can we can do this same thing with our family sometimes. Like we can't immediately respond to a text and take us out of our flow of the things that we're trying to accomplish either. So those are those are boundaries that we can set. And if and if people get upset, sometimes there's a there is a difficult conversation that needs to be had to let them know that you know, this is my boundary. It's also probably helping them too, because that other person may not, may or may not be super familiar with the concept of boundaries. And <laughs> and probably it might not. Actually, probably not. And, and it might actually help them have a more joyful life too. Yeah, <laughs> so true. I view it as like, you know, to do it in a gentle and loving way. It's never like, this is why I bring up, when I talk about boundaries, I try to encourage a more gentle way of thinking about it rather than like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm like, well, that never gets you anywhere. Like if you act like that with another person, they're yeah. going to push back. And so, um, and that's partly why. And I also feel that it takes up energy to constantly be saying no, right? Like that in itself yeah. to me is a drain. And yeah. I think it is for a lot of people who struggle with this. So, so to just, just to view it as like out of love for you, another person, you know, let's take a break. <laughs> like yeah. let's, you know, I want, I want you to have this time for yourself. I'm going to do this. You know, set the expectations in a clear and a kind, compassionate way. Yeah. Um, it goes a long ways. I I have yet to have it not go like it doesn't always go perfectly, but it yeah. definitely it just ruin like make the relationship more difficult. Yeah. So yeah, it, it um, took it just me builds more trust. Yeah, it, it took me having kids to to really get yeah. good about boundaries, I think. Both yeah. because I wanted to focus on them and then as they got older learning how to, you know, kids do really well with boundaries. You know, that's one of those things that if they don't have boundaries, usually it's, it, it's one of those things that really, you know, hurts them long-term because they start expecting all these different things. But 
that's that's one thing that I've come to identify. And now Mike, I have one in college now. So as yeah. they get as they get older, it's like a whole different set of boundaries. But the rules basically are the same. And like you're saying, mm-hmm. I think it is about sort of, you know, with love being able to ex- explain to them why this is being set and that, you know, you're doing it not out of selfishness, but for, for both of you. And, and sometimes just to help them understand which they can do when they're older, what, you know, what your day-to-day looks like and why you're actually, you know, making these boundaries. Yeah. I mean, well, it's actually, um, so my dad is a almost retired allergist in the Portland area. He's (laughs) almost like 78, 79 and not fully retired yet. Um, but it's really sweet because he is now of course, like my main, my main fan of all the stuff I do. And, um, he, he once downloaded the little boundaries workbook I made. And he was like, what is this boundary stuff that you keep talking about? I'm like, Oh, it's really good. Let's work on this. And he's like, Oh, interesting. It's just really cute. (laughs) Like we can learn at any age, you know, even though, um, it wasn't necessarily something we learned as kids, but I mean, that's wonderful to, yeah, to actually see that as, Cause I actually think in our family, I don't know if we model boundaries very well. Like there's text messaging at all hours of the day. So <laughs> I <Yeah>. don't know. <laughs> I know. I know. One of the things that you were suggesting within the book was kind of looking at how we chart out, you know, take, take, take a week and sort of look at what the whole week looks like in terms of all these different pieces that you're going to need for time, you know, whether it's commuting to work, you know, exercising the work itself, any any hobbies you might have, all these, how much time you spend looking at social media, whatever. It's the, the, all those kinds of things. And I think it, it might help us to really sort of understand even where we're being kind of not as, as good as we could with our own boundaries. Yeah, I think it's actually one of those important things. It's, there's something about just, um, I think, writing things down or typing them. We type a lot now or yeah. even just seeing it, right? Like if we, I actually have people and I do it myself. I have my calendar my thing over there with all my colors yeah but I mean I I even have people color code it because it's actually kind of visually easy to see what you're kind of doing and the reality is most people find that stuff we're doing kind of bleeds into everything else and that is when we're not really intentionally setting boundaries because the reality is I mean that's how work seeps into everything that's how email social media all the whatever there's many demands on our time now right and so unless we intentionally block it out um it's actually it can be easy for it just kind of be all the time, which is what people struggle with. Yeah. So I find that, that even just, um, forcing each art, I do it to myself every, every few months, just forcing myself to like log what I'm actually doing. And I'm like, Oh, I could be a lot more efficient first of all. And I might actually be happier if I'm not doing email eight hours a day, (laughs) like maybe only 30 minutes. And and that kind of stuff actually is really important when I work with physicians who have very, and honestly, a lot of, a lot of professionals who have very like packed schedules Right. Like if you've yeah. got a clinic schedule and you've got, 20, I mean, the reality, most physicians these days, primary care physicians see 20, 25 patients a day. Yeah. They've got maybe five, 10 to 15 minutes per patient. I mean, that's like barely any time to say hello and yeah. examine a patient, yeah. not alone all the charting and all the stuff. So like, there's just so many demands, the reality of healthcare today on people who work for large systems. And um, so like how they manage their time during that day is really important too. So that's, I actually find that really helpful in that, in that perspective. Too. Yeah. Because going back to what we were saying earlier, you know, in terms of energy being everything, it's sort of about, you know, energy for, you know, for what and looking at the, you know, getting back to the why part too. It's like, you know, which of these things really relate to my why 
and which of these things can can be spent less time on and that kind of thing. I don't necessarily do this stuff like, you know, that often, but I've been through these exercises enough times that yeah. when when I do feel like I'm sort of getting off track or I just feel like, I don't know, like there, there are just moments where you're like, I'm, I'm not feeling excited about either, you know, my work or about my life or whatever it is, looking at these things and saying, what, what am I not probably putting enough time into? And once you've done it enough times, you can almost just go back through your, your charts and say, okay, well, there it is. <laughs> well, I was actually having this great conversation with my coach yesterday and uh, I was not an athlete, but she was years ago. And she was like, you know, when you, you have a really tough game and it's like, you're destroyed. Right. And then yeah. what do the coaches do the next day? They're like, we're going back to the basics. Yeah. <laughs> we're just going to do the basics. Exactly. And I think it's the basics and, and, um, this is why I think it's so important for, I mean, I think it's important for every human being, but I, I look at physicians and unfortunately we don't learn about core values or why or purpose or any of this stuff to provide a framework for how to even begin to think about the basics. Yeah. I, I can't tell you, I mean, I've, I've coached providers at work too. I mean, men and women, I have dozens and dozens and none of, most have not heard of this before. Mm-hmm. I mean, many are in their fifties and sixties. So um, just need, even knowing that there isn't any, even a basics to go back to yeah. for most of them. And they've been in training for so long. So that's a big thing I'm um, super passionate about is getting this into into the lives of our medical professionals early. You know, yeah. I think it should start in college, med school, train, residency. Or, or earlier. I mean, a part of the, what I've, earlier. I've, <laughs> I've been trying to get in and, you know, because I, because I've, I've treated newborns, and yeah. some parents have just kind of decided to keep their kids coming to me, you know, sometimes, yeah. you know, twice, twice a year, three, four times a year, whatever, to kind of keep these check-ins. And the nice thing is I feel like I can keep educating them as they get older, you know. And so my oldest yeah. actually just had, had dinner with a, a couple of friends who whose babies I treated who are now 12 and 14. And having dinner with them, I had, I had a real moment of like, oh, look at all these, you know, Oh, this, this beautiful family who, you know, have, have all, you know, I've been connected to through this whole process. And, and, and I think, you know, back to the basics sometimes when I'm, when I feel like I'm struggling and I, and I talk to my clients about this a lot of times, you know, personally, I kind of go back to what's my sleep situation look like, how well mm-hmm. am I eating? What's my, you know, self-care and, and exercise look like, but then also, you know, more interpersonal. What are my What are my relationships like? Am I Am I spending enough time with those close people who make me feel good? You know, am I spending enough time with my kids and my wife and my mom and all these things? Right. So important things. Although that's kind of for me, that's always the base the basics. So you know, similar to the other chart, I feel like that's a very that's a very kind of basic thing to go back to. It's not hard. I think no. we all kind of know it, right? Um, but when we get into spin. <laughs> We just, it goes out the window. Yeah. I think it's, it's human, you know, it's okay. I, I, one of my favorite phrases to, to teach people is to say, it's okay. Yeah. It's all right. You're doing the best you can. It's okay. <laughs> I, I, I do similar, you know, I, I, when, yeah. I, when I get people who feel like, oh, I was on a good track and I kind of fell off of it. The, the, the thing I say is like, you know, with, the, you know, with the next day or with the next meal or whatever it is that mm-hmm. they're, that they're really struggling with, because you know, we're gonna we're gonna make these mistakes, or we're gonna have a series of mistakes, and then you just have to start again. You know, and it doesn't necessarily yeah. mean we're starting back at the beginning. Mm-mm. It just means we're we're kind of refocusing. And it's it's one of the things yeah. that I've always felt with with meditation was it's medita- for for me anyways. Meditation is is kind of about it's not about some you know achieving some enlightened place necessarily, but but 
the enlightenment that might happen, I think, happens in terms of like being able to see what your mindset is. And you kind of talk about this a little in the book of, of you know, that's that just just sometimes giving yourself the space to actually get back get back there. And even as, a, as another basic, I think that could be one of those things that people can kind of tap into, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm so grateful that there seems to be much more um, knowledge about and acceptance of mindfulness, too. Cause, yeah. Um, it, I, I don't even, I'm trying to remember when I started. I mean, I've been meditating since I was in high school. And so I was really lucky I was introduced early because I used to do a lot of piano performance. And so mm-hmm. we do a lot of visualization. And um, But otherwise, I would have probably not encountered it, I think, for years. I don't know when I would have learned about it. But I'm so grateful because it yeah. is truly it's like one of, it's powerful stuff and it um, makes all the difference in our lives. So you still play. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm a musician. Not enough. I'm oh, a musician you are. Too, yeah. Oh, what kind of, what kind of music do you, what do you play? I mean, I play rock and blues and some, you know, oh, all, all sorts of stuff, cool but, I, stuff. but I, I've kind of, I started, I picked up the drums at 45 too. So I keep, I keep adding oh. new things, but it is part in terms of, you know, my, maybe part of my mindfulness or a way of sort of like creating some separation another boundary, right? It's sort of, it kind of yeah. takes me out of whatever my mind state was for a period of time. It gives me that little break. And a lot of times after I'm done, I almost kind of feel cleansed of all that stuff and I, and I can get back to things. Yeah. I mean, I think there's that kind of, um, it almost feels like, at least for me, I have much more energy afterward. Me too. Um, yeah. And I find it recharging and I, I, I do classical music. I always wish I could do rock and jazz and st- I just know how to do classical music. A you bit. can. It's easy. <laughs> That's all I know. That's all I know. <laughs> all you, you got to know is all you got to know is chords. So it's, you'll, you'll be I easy can for do you. Some chords, but not cool chords. <laughs> They're just like the basic. And I can like read music, but I can't make stuff up. But this here's my inner critic. I'm like, I probably can come up with something, but you, know, whatever. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> you, you've got more skill than me, probably. Oh my gosh, I actually always want to learn the drums. So I think there's still time for me. My parents, <laughs> my parents said no, and I always wanted to learn. So maybe it's, I should just do it's it. So fun. <laughs> It does look really like so much fun. (laughs) Yeah. Well, this is the kind of stuff, this is why I would say that vast majority of women physicians to come back to this whole boundaries idea is like, they don't have this joy of, I would love to play the drums or playing the piano brings me energy. I mean, this is like not part of their lives. I mean, they're just like on and that's why they're so burnt out. So, I mean, like if to be able to laugh and, you know, Think about oh that would be really fun to learn that I mean I think honestly the mass majority of women I know are just trying to survive I know so it's they can't even get to that and that it's, um, and I was that way too not that long ago like three years ago so yeah. I understand completely I, I talk to some of my some of my especially when I'm working with therapists one of the things I've identified is that because therapists have to kind of hold their tongue a lot or they have to be very careful about the things that they say to people. One of the one of the things I took some voice lessons at one point for like three yeah. years. I'm not a very good singer, but but I but one of the things that I that I learned from that is that there was that, that it was kind of an avenue of expression challenge mm-hmm. for me too. And so when I see it with therapists now, one of the one of my things that I, I have them do is I have them, you know, sing. You know, and even yeah. if they feel like they're not a good singer, a lot of times I find that they really like singing already. And if that's mm-hmm. the case, like find the space for it, whether it's in your car or whatever, and, yeah. and really open that up and just, you know, express or emote as much as you can through that. And, and, and what I, you know, what I get back from that is that it's one of the best forms of therapy that they have. Mm. So, you know, Thank if you we feel like we that. don't have time for these kinds of things, that's something simple that just about everybody can do, or they might already be doing. Well, it's the most natural form of expression for human beings. Right. My mom was an opera singer, so I was really right? lucky to... So, and I don't sing like that, but I 
but I, I think it's, there's something very therapeutic of just letting something out. Yeah. Um, and I could see that, especially for therapists, because, and I feel that way, even in my role as a, as an oncologist and as a coach, like I can't say a lot. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you, and that's what happens when people begin to hold it in. It, it, we like, it becomes somatic. Like it becomes, we like even, totally. right. We, it, it's, we have to let it out. And, um, I love that. I, um, I might recommend that. I'll just, I'll, I'll give you credit. Of course. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, I heard about this really cool idea, which isn't really hard and it's free. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. <laughs> that's great. Oh, that's awesome. Well, this is yeah. so fun talking to you. I want to, I want to follow exciting. you and kind of, you know, pay attention to more of what you're doing. Are you, do you, are you doing anything with, with social media right now? I know you, your, your website is, is Tammy Chang MD. Is that right? TammyChangMD.com. And, and yeah. so there's, there's links to like pink coat and to, you know, if you want to get, if you're interested in the book or the workbook kind of stuff, and then your consulting work is in there too. Um, but are you, are you going to be posting anything as it relates to the work that you're doing too? Yeah, right on my website, I've actually got a new, um, just created a new assessment. So you can actually test um, how you're doing with your own boundaries and your own burnout. So it's like kind of made a meter actually, and there's like resources in there for women. So um, I want to offer that to everyone. And then of course I'm on Instagram, MD. Okay, cool. Well, thanks Uh, so much. This this has been really fun. Likewise. And I can't, so excited and so, so grateful to have connected with you. Thank you so much for I mean, I want to, I'm going to follow you now. <laughs> so I love everything you're doing. Oh, thanks. So Thank nice to so meet. Much. Likewise. Take care. Dr. Tammy Chang, folks. I put a fair amount of thought into boundaries throughout my adult years. But I think I often focused more on how I was setting boundaries to prevent others from exerting unwanted influence on my life. And since this conversation, I've given a lot more thought to how it's also a framework for defining our core values and staying on track with them. And how getting clear about this really frees up the mind to live more presently day to day in what we are setting out to accomplish. And how this can also just take us out of that achievement-based mindset to one that's more purpose-driven. If you're in healthcare and looking for some guidance from Tammy, check out her website, TammyChangMD.com, for links to Pink Code MD and her book, Boundaries for Women Physicians, Love Your Life and Your Career in Medicine. And if you love the resource that you get here at Highwood Health, consider becoming a health amplifier today. While this project is a labor of love, it requires funding if we want to continue to build and stay true to this mission. You may have noticed we have no annoying ads and are not bound by corporate interests, but that means we do need your support, which you can provide for the price of a cup of coffee once a month by going to patreon.com forward slash highway to health. Your donation is making this quality resource available to anyone in need. Thanks for listening and for all that you do. Be good to yourself, be kind to each other, and take care of your planet. Be well, my friends. If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Medicine in America, hosted by Anthony Manson and Todd Harrington, shares the stories of physicians, other healthcare professionals, and industry leaders who are changing the way we deliver care. There's an episode that you should check out called Primary Care Reimagined with Subscription-Based Preventative Care Model. It's an inspiring call for a paradigm shift in primary care. 
all of their episodes highlight innovative ideas at the forefront of the movement to transform our healthcare system. Check out Medicine in America on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.